Without continual growth and progress, such words as improvement, achievement, and success have no meaning. Now, who said that? Welcome to the Dr. Chris Griffin Show, your resource for leveraging systems and technology to ease your workload, increase productivity, and provide you with the time off you deserve to live the life of your dreams. It's time to practice productivity and the passionate pursuit of a better life with your host, Dr. Chris Griffin. The doctor is in. Hey, everybody. Well, this is Dr. Chris Griffin. Thanks for joining us again. And if you knew that quote, that's a pretty obscure one, but you might have gotten it right. That is the one, the only, the man on the C-note, Benjamin Franklin. Uh, you know, I've probably used him before on this show, but guess what? He has so many amazing quotes, it's hard to keep him down. You just got to use him every chance you get. He fits in so well with the philosophy of so many of these podcasts, I guess. Who knows? He might have the record for most times quoted by, by the time we're through. But today, we've got an amazing show for you guys. Today is something very special. It is part two to an interview that I did with Dr. Mark Costas recently. Part one is actually on his podcast, the very wildly popular Dentalpreneur podcast. If you want to hear that, just go search Dentalpreneur podcast, Dr. Mark Costas, uh, and to hear part one, and you can hear the first, the first half of this interview on his podcast. This is part two. We're doing it on my podcast, and what we're diving into today is we're talking about all the mistakes that a lot of dentists make when they try to jump in and grow their practice for no reason other than just to grow it. And Dr. Mark Costas is in a very unique position because Dr. Costas was, of course, once a solo practitioner. Then he owned a bunch of practices. Then he contracted and owned fewer practices. And now he's expanding again. And also, he's had explosive growth in the last couple of years with his coaching program, the Dental Success Institute. It's just a really great place to go. Dr. Costas is a longtime friend of mine. He let me know on his podcast that I actually booked him and gave him his first ever speaking gig, if you can believe that, back in 2012 in Dallas, Texas. Anyway, we've known each other a long time. He's a great guy. And he has a very unique perspective that I personally don't have. So that's why I wanted to bring it to you guys. So let's not gild this lily anymore. Off we go. Here's the interview, part two, with Dr. Mark Costas. Hey, everybody. So uh, like we said, we finally have acquired the one and only Dr. Mark Costas after months and months of searching him down and begging him and offering him bribes to try to come on the show. He finally agreed. I'm telling you, I'm joking a little bit. Mark is such an amazingly nice guy. He's super busy, but he's super busy for a reason because he has built an amazing community of dentists. He's helping. And thank you so much for being with us today, Mark. It's really an honor. Oh, it is my honor, Chris. Um, I talked about on our podcast how you were the first person that ever gave me a speaking shot. So you will always hold a very special place in my heart. I, I respect so much what you've done for our profession. So it is, it is my true honor to be on this podcast. 
Well, man, it was it was my pleasure. And at the you know, I didn't know at the time you'd never spoken before. It's amazing. You guys should have seen him. Uh, he got up on my stage in Dallas. Uh, I forget what year, but it was a, a while ago. And uh, it was almost like he stole the show. I know I gave him the worst time slot you could give somebody, <laughs> but it wasn't like I was trying to do that to him on purpose. I, he was like a late entry. I didn't even know he existed. And then I found out about him, and so we put him on our stage at like 7 p.m. And I want to say that he got the number two or number three out of about 16 speakers, number two or number three highest rating of all the speakers, Mark. So I don't even know if you ever told you that, but you were very highly rated. Oh, thank you so much. I know he never did, but uh, that would that sure would have helped me uh, with my confidence going into the next one. I wish you would have told me uh, that. Try, years ago. Trying to keep you humble. <laughs> I was trying to keep you humble, man. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's funny because you get different personalities for different groups of people that you speak in front of, and I really just I like the people that you attracted to that event, and and it's always just kind of been a a, a lesson to me that if you put the right stuff out there, you're going to attract the right people to your events and. It's going to be the people that you want to hang out with, um, and people that don't like your style and and you don't want to hang out will actually be repelled by your style and they'll never show up to your event. So that is something that you taught me, and I, I like the folks, the good folks that that were at that event, and uh, I still am in communication with a lot of them still. Well, I, I appreciate that. I, I kind of, you know, when my practice burned down, I kind of lost a lot of the, uh, well, I lost a lot of people <laughs> from my company and I lost yeah. a lot of the willpower because it, hey, look, you know, as well as anyone, how difficult it is and how time intensive to put on an event. I mean, that's a lot of work, right? It really is, man. We start, ours is coming up uh, April 6th and 7th of 2018. We started two and a half months ago, the planning process. So it's, it's a greater part of the year, you know? Oh I, yeah. You never stop planning your event. So, uh, anyway, I'm glad that I had, had it, had my event enough years to meet some really cool folks like you. Uh, for those people out there, this is actually a part two. So Mar Dr. Mark and I decided to do something I think pretty cool is, um, is we came up with a topic we thought was really timely. So the topic that we came up with was how to build a profitable practice that fits your unique style. And we did a part one, part two. Uh, part one was on Dr. Mark's podcast, the Dentalpreneur podcast. Hopefully all you guys are already subscribed. I'm really going to plug the heck out of that. If you haven't, you need to go subscribe to the Dentalpreneur podcast. Uh, but, but we did part one over there, and this is part two. And the reason that I wanted to do it with him is because we practice very differently. Like Dr. Mark and I may both, we may both be very good dentists, uh, you know, but we practice very differently and he has a totally different perspective than I do. So I really wanted to get him on here and, and let's just shine a light on some of the really awesome special stuff he's been doing. Um, so are you ready? You ready, that. Mark? I'm ready when you are, my friend. Okay. So the first question I've got for you, is I know you are someone who has the unique experience of owning multiple practices. Uh, and, of course, long ago, I assume you were also a solo practitioner. There are yeah. so many options out there today for dentists. There are just so many of them. And truly, I still believe dentistry will let you practice however you want to practice. But what are tell me about your path. How did you get to where you are? And then what are some of the mistakes you might have made and some of the, the mistakes you've seen other dentists make as they try to decide the best way to practice for them? And if at all possible, how could you have avoided the mistakes? Yeah. Wow. Multi-part question. Great question. <laughs> <though>. So <laughs> my journey, uh, I, I can tell it 
in three to five minutes. Uh, basically, um, I was a kid that had attention problems, learning disability when I was growing up, so I never got great grades. Uh, but I found uh, this profession that I really, really uh, respected because when I was 16 years old, ran into a fence, a left field fence playing baseball, knocked out all four of my front teeth, um, and broke my jaw, had an alveolar fracture of my jaw, um, and took about a year visiting pretty much every dental specialty, ortho, endo, pros, um, went to a, to, to a plastic surgeon, uh, general dentistry. It took a full year to restore my smile. And in that year, I realized, geez, this is something that I really like. I really love these professionals that have helped heal me. Um, I, I respected them a lot. They were like heroes to me. So I decided at that point, 16 years old, that I wanted to be a dentist. So it changed the whole trajectory of my life. The only problem was, I go back to what I said earlier, still, you know, never had great grades, had very difficult time, uh, uh, not a great reader, had a difficult time with learning. Um, so when I got to college, I played uh, a little bit of college football, then decided to take the cleats off and focus back on my original dream of becoming, you know, a, a dentist. Graduated with decent grades, um, and just to get decent grades for me was was a feat. Just to graduate from undergrad was a feat. Uh, but I had a very, I guess, average dental school application, but I wanted to proceed. So in a nutshell, it took me three years and 21 attempts to get into dental school. I had 20 rejections. I had one single acceptance over three years and, and 21 attempts. So you know, that was how I got into the profession. I was out on the outside looking in for three years, like with, like a kid with my face pressed against the glass, looking at, uh, at the profession of dentistry, just, just wanting it so bad. Um, but you know, when I graduated from dental school, I knew that I was a little bit behind where I wanted to be. So I got involved with multiple practices in the first six years, seven years, the first seven years of my dental career, I was able to build six pretty, pretty big dental practices. So in that period of time, I learned a lot, made a ton of mistakes, but the biggest mistake that I made was work-life balance. Um, and maybe expanding a little bit too quickly without, without making sure that the systems in each practice was, was sound before I went to the next, which is why my work-life balance got way out of whack because the practices were chaotic and they required way too much of my time, my personal time. If I would have done it correctly from the beginning and systemize those practices correctly from the beginning, uh, it would have been a different story. Um, so after that seventh year, I sold four of the practices because it was really taking a toll on all of my personal relationships. And I regrouped and um, you know, created this uh, coaching and consulting group called the, the, the Dental Success Institute, which has really taken off. And uh, now I'm back to the multiple practice game again. I'm at, I'm at 10 practices now. And, uh, and we're doing it the right way. So I have a little bit more of a work-life balance. So if I was going to say the biggest mistakes that I made was not systemizing the practices correctly, not knowing the basics of business before I expanded. You know, it's, uh, it's kind of the story of real true entrepreneurs, though. You're, you're willing to take the chance. You, you just sort of, an entrepreneur is going to jump out there and leap at that opportunity, even really before they know what's going on. Uh, I think that's what makes entrepreneurs special, right? It, they, they're willing sure. to take on that risk. I know so many dentists who would never have taken the first step to begin with. I heard a, uh, I heard a lecture recently, Mark. You may have heard it. Uh, there's a speaker named Gary Vaynerchuk. 
Oh yeah, Gary V. Listen yeah. to him every day, no, pretty much. I, I don't, I don't love his language, but his, <laughs> oh, ener- yeah. his energy's off the charts, right? And he yeah. he made a, a little statement the other day. I don't know if you've heard him say it yet, but he said, "Look, guys, one for seven is better than o for o." Let <laughs> that, that let that sink in. So if you're a baseball person, if you if you go up there to bat and you get only one hit out of seven at bats. That's a whole lot better still than zero for zero, never even going up to it bat, right? Uh, so, I mean, that's that's the way it is. And then, hey, man, how many dentists would have had the guts to pick themselves up off the floor after realizing, oh, I screwed that up the first time, and now you're going back at it again and doing it, like you said, the right way, even though I still think you work a little too hard for my taste. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. I'm pretty. I, I like. I like living vicariously through my friends. I like to say that. <laughs> well, thank you, man. It, it is. It, it's a grind. It's tough. I have a very, very um, great relationship with my wife now. Uh, took her, took her and my kids for granted for a bit. I'll be honest. You know, it's it's not easy for me to say that, but but even though we have a lot going on, a lot of moving parts, a lot of practices, a lot of clients. Um, I really have struck, I feel, uh, a great work-life balance now. Well, so you coach a lot of other dentists. What do you see? What do you see? I know you talk to these guys. So do you, when the guys are coming out of school, do you see some like unbridled enthusiasm and maybe they, they don't really have the direction they need at first and you help them with that if you can, if they'll listen to you? How do you handle that? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I What we do is we, we try to break it down to – the most basic of basics, you know. First, you got to learn how to 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 be very very comfortable reading some financial statements, right? You got to be able to read a PL and manipulate a PL and use that PL as a tool to to control your overhead. And then we overlay the balance sheet on top of that. So now we're looking at we're looking at long term debt, the amount of money uh, in in debt. Uh, payments that you're going to be have to be paying per month. So you have your profitability and loss now. Um, you have your production pay, how much you get paid to be an actual provider, as much as you'd get paid if you were working at Heartland or, or one of the other DSOs. Um, and then you have your profitability. And then when you have that number, your production pay plus your profitability, then you have to take your your balance sheet into account, right? And so you have to be able to read that and configure that. You subtract those payments, and then that's your spendable cash at the end of the at the end of every month. Having a capitalized business is very, very important. So you have to have cash. You have to be smart with your your decisions, smart about the amount of uh, debt that you get into. But just that basic kind of knowledge of of how to analyze your business really gives you a good, solid foundation. So once we figured all that out, then we start talking about systemization, making sure, like, this is right up your alley, making sure your team uh, is really, really systemized and efficient. Um, after that, we work on leadership. So there, there are several different steps that you go through when you work with us. And until you get your your practice, and we have a very definitive um, time period, not necessarily not necessarily time period, but the practice has to look a certain way before I will give my blessing for them to to even start looking for another practice. Because a lot of people are attracted to me because. They found out, oh, Costas has had 15 practices. He's, I, I need to go to him to learn how to build the second and third and fifth and my empire. But I will say, I want that flagship practice, your original practice, to look a certain way. And part of that is 50% overhead, you know, a good operations manual, a good culture within the practice. Once you, we've checked off all those boxes, 
then we'll start looking for the second one. And we'll make the second one look as much like the first one as we possibly can. Well, hey, tell me, in your opinion, um, of those three things you just named, the overhead, the culture, um, what was I forget the third one. But systemization. systemization yeah. Okay. That, oh, I forgot. <laughs> it's like Rick Perry forgetting his own department on stage <laughs> at the president. Um, so, yeah, so out of those three things, which do you think is the hardest for the new dentist? Well, that's a, that's that's a that's a toughie. I think that uh, I think that culture is very very difficult to achieve, and unless you can control that culture and you can be a, develop yourself into a strong leader, then the other stuff doesn't happen anyway, right? Because you need your team to decrease overhead. You need your team to be completely systemized. So if your culture and your and your leadership is lacking, uh, then none of the other stuff matters because you you won't get there. Uh, so I think that's probably the toughest. Uh, but probably the most important to focus on right when you graduate, because we, uh, most of us, as dentists, young dentists and dental students, have never really had to to be a strong leader, right? They they've either had part time jobs or no jobs at all, and then they've had their nose buried in a book for their entire lives, and they've maybe worked one on one with a handful of patients before they graduate. Developing that leadership mentality and the, and the knack for uh, building a strong culture is very very important. Uh, you know, that's interesting you say that. I'll I tell you a book that I read that really helped me. It was my one of my college roommates is a CEO of a very large oil company in Houston. He's a multi-multi-millionaire. Uh, but when he was on the, the up-and-come, I guess, he recommended a book to me that he had used. And this is before he he walked into a, a venture capitalist office in New York and asked for $30 million at age, hmm. at age uh, I think he was 32. Wow. And, he, and he got it. And he had recommended this book to me, and it really helped me a lot. And I would say it would probably help anybody. It's a little boring, but it's there's a book called Emotional Intelligence, I believe. Mm, um, have you yeah. read that book? Yeah, EQ. Yeah, it's EQ. Yeah. It's how to measure your EQ. And, yeah. and so that that goes into this a lot. So I don't, I don't know if you do personality testing with your groups or not, but um, you know, a lot of dentists grayed out on these personality tests is someone who's really – they really want to have a lot of the facts. They're kind of introverted, you know, the stuff like that. And that makes you a great clinical dentist a lot of the time. Yeah. But it doesn't necessarily make you a, a great leader who can instill that culture that you that you're saying you got to have. So uh, exactly. I would exactly. encourage I would encourage everybody out there if you think you want a multiple practice thing uh, going, then you you've got to work on your EQ. And so that you can get that culture going, just like Mark said, I totally agree with that. Um, oh, I love that sentiment. I love that sentiment. I think you're absolutely right. Um, all right. So here's the next question. So that is that's for the new guys trying to build up maybe into multiple practices. And you're obviously the expert. Anybody that's interested in that, I recommend you guys go see Mark. Um, but what are some options that you you might have for dentists who are out there who may be my age, maybe older. They want to slow down, but they don't want to actively retire. What are some options for guys like that? Oh, gosh, yeah. I love that question because I got the, a, a similar question, um, and I, I devoted a whole podcast episode to it. And it, it was a little bit different, and it was that there was a younger dentist that was experiencing some back issues. And his physician, his surgeon had said, man, you maybe got a couple years left. Um, and he was a young guy. He was younger than us, Chris. Um, and he said, what do I do? 
what do I do? Do do I leave the profession? I still have student loans for goodness sake. Um, what do I do, Mark? And, and with that question, I, I took a long, hard, reflective period to think about that. I didn't want to throw something out because I knew that this guy was looking to me for some advice about something that was a very, very traumatic time in his life. You know, you're, you're, you've been trained your whole life. You've built a good practice. Um, and all of a sudden, physically, he wasn't going to be able to do it for, for more than a couple more years. And I can really relate to that because I've had two back surgeries myself. I have a bad, I have a bad neck. I have a bad lower back from, from football and from dentistry. So I've, I've kind of looked down the barrel of that, of that reality a couple times myself. So I thought long and hard about it, and uh, it kind of relates to this question here. What do you do when it's time to, to transition? Um, I kind of thought about it in a different way. Um, I thought that he was saying, I have to sell my practice, I have to liquidate, and I have to find a new profession. But I think that you know what I teach and what I've been able to do um, with my multiple practices really eliminate the necessity for me to be a clinical dentist. I still am because I like to be. But if I had to be, I could step away from that because of what I've been able to set up. So I, I, I just I just put it out there that if he could potentially get his overhead down to say, you know, fifty percent, like you and I have been talking about, and he had a an associate in his practice, uh, he was still a presence there. Maybe he could even do the exams if he wanted to. Uh, so he could still be a presence in that practice. Got an associate that he could he could train up and and really cultivate. Uh, spend some money on him, uh, getting him uh, advancing his clinical ability, um, and that practice and that that dentist was making say thirty percent. He would be you know netting twenty percent profit at the end of the year. So if he had a million dollar practice and he was netting twenty percent, that's still two hundred thousand dollars, and that's without having to leave the profession and, and liquidate his practice. And if he got really good at that, he could potentially build another practice or another or another. And multiply that, and and potentially maybe make even more money than he was making as a clinical dentist uh, in the multiple practice model. Um, another thing that he could do, um, I'm reminded of of one of the gals that's in my mastermind group that that has health issues as well and can't practice for a sustained period of time, but she does a whole lot of sleep apnea. She does a whole lot of Invisalign, where she doesn't have to sit or stand for long periods of time, and. She has associates in her practices, and she's been able to to do the really light, not super intense, hard on your body stuff, um, for you know for a living. And she's a multiple practice owner as well, so she makes a profit from each of the practice that she practices that she owns. So that th- those are some kind of ideas that somebody that's transitioning or wants to retire or even slow down and maybe stay in the game. That's some ideas that uh, that are really tangible, and, and I've seen it happen in real life. You know, uh, that, it's hard to imagine, but, you know, you could do sleep apnea and Invisalign, and you really wouldn't even feel like you'd gone into work, right? I mean, oh, that, I, I mean it's alginate impressions, right? It's yeah. nothing. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I, and I've joked around about not liking associates, but you better believe, buddy, if I got a diagnosis like that, I would figure out a way to like associates because that's really that's the way you stay in the game at that point. I totally agree. That's right. Totally that's right. Agree. But I mean, if you if you think about liquidating your practice, say say his million dollar practice got him seven hundred fifty seven hundred eighty thousand dollars. That doesn't last a whole long time if no. if you're forty five years old, right? So if you liquidate and go find another job, what are you going to do where you're making two hundred thousand dollars a year from for the rest of your life if you manage this practice well? It's going to be very difficult to find that kind of new career at, at that late stage in life. 
Yes, and the hope is the hope is that people come to you before it gets into a dire circumstance where there's got to be a quick decision made. You know, if you got a little time to plan it out, that's that's certainly that's certainly the way to do it. Absolutely. Uh, well, man, yep. we we've got to spend some time talking about this awesome, awesome CE event that you are a big part of, right? The Voices of Dentistry. Oh yeah, Chris. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, man. yeah. The Voices of Dentistry and. Uh, you know, you know, you're a podcaster. You know that uh, there's a whole lot of dental podcasts out there nowadays, right? There is. Um, there is. I mean, when when I started, there was maybe three others. Uh, there's like the Hacks, and there is uh, there is Gary uh, Takish, and and uh, actually, I think I, I I launched my podcast before Howard launched his podcast. So when when we've gone from like three or four to what forty plus now, just in the dental sphere. Um, it's, it's really cool. It's really cool. And there's some really, really great stuff out there. Some of the stuff is clinical. Some of the stuff is practice management. Some of the stuff is uh, focused on hygiene. Some of the stuff is focused on dental assistance. But the bottom line is there's a whole lot of great free content out there. And, and if there was this amount of free content out there, when, when you and I were coming up, uh, Chris, I bet you we could have avoided oh, a lot of mistakes that we oh, made, man. right? You, you can't, you better. Now I have to share this real quick, Mark. When, yeah. I, when I was getting ready to do my podcast, right, um, I you know I did all the research and I'm and I'm and I'm like finally okay well I'm like how many podcasts are there in dentistry? So I go to the I go to iTunes and I look, and and at that time there were only six and and you were one of them and I and I said to myself it was just like the old Jerry Seinfeld show when he was like Newman I was like oh Costas he got me <laughs> he got me again. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, oh, that's so funny. Yes, it's been it a crazy is. journey. It's been a crazy journey. You know, 148 countries now, and, and you know, 60,000 downloads a month. It's crazy that it's gotten to this. When you know, all I really wanted to do is to have an excuse to to email people like you and say, "Hey, I got a podcast. Would you like to come on? Hey, Howard, would you like to come on my podcast? Hey, uh, you know, whoever in dentistry that that you want to reach out to, it just gives you just a free ticket." and a reason to reach out to them instead of just being a fan and, and trying to get their attention that way. But, but, uh, you know, onto this event, uh, last year, Dr. Alan Mead, uh, Dr. Jason Lipscomb, Dr. Sean Vandeviver and I came up with this idea that how about we get all the dental podcasters in a room together and, and the podcasters could be the presenters. And then in addition to that, uh, they, they could talk about their, their, what, what they focus on, on their podcast. But in addition to that, we would have this thing called the podcast lounge, and people could set up a, a booth, and uh, all the podcasters, whether they were speaking or not, could set up in this podcast lounge, and people could go to the pod, podcast lounge, watch uh, the podcasters interview other attendees. Um, they could the attendees could get interviewed. You could watch the podcasters interviewing the other podcasters or other celebrities or other. Um, influencers that were at the event and uh we thought god that would be a great fun event and last year it was in uh it was in nashville right chris you were yes, there absolutely um and it went off just brilliantly it was awesome uh so we decided to try it again so this is part two it's january 26th and 27th this year it's in my backyard it's in scottsdale arizona at the double tree resort and uh it's gonna be it's gonna be incredible right now if you if you uh, go to register, go to voicesofdentistry.com and uh, enter the coupon code VOD200. You can get 200 bucks off your ticket right now. But uh, it's a super fun, totally different event, super interactive. And if you guys are 
podcast junkies like I am, I just nerd out. I just walk around and meet people. You know, I can't believe I'm meeting you in person. I get to listen to you every day when I'm working out, and here you are in the flesh. It's, it's a very cool, very cool event. Well, I, I'm just one. I'm I, I hate I'm not going to make it. I have another commitment this January, that same weekend. Uh, oh, I'm so I, bummed about that. I know. I'm sorry, but I'm I'm going to try to make it a regular thing. But I, I will tell you, last year I was so pumped about the podcast lounge. And, uh, but I didn't really prepare. I just, you know, like I do my podcast pretty simply. So I've got this little ATR 2000 microphone and my little <laughs> handheld video recorder and I'm like easing in there and I see Justin Moody's booth, uh, right. Wasn't he the one with the gigantic booth that looked like the Larry King show? Oh yeah. They had a panel. Uh, I mean, they had like, Oh, it was the most elaborate setup. The oh. dental guys as well had had live video and lights and oh, I was the same way. I was with you, buddy. I had a, I had a, a round circle table and, a, and, and like my name scribbled on a, a piece of paper that I turned it into a tent card that said dental Pinor on it. It was, it was pathetic. I know. So I stuck my, I stuck my microphone in my back pocket and pulled my sweatshirt down over it. And, uh, I never even acted <laughs> like I was going to ever even think about setting up in there after I saw that. But uh, it's pretty yeah, it it's awesome. pretty awesome. And I, I bet you this year, knowing dentists, Mark, I bet you everybody that's in that game is going to try to outdo each other. So take some pictures and put them on Facebook. I want to see who's got the best booth this year. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it real, man. I don't have time. I'm going to keep it real. I'm going to bring my recorder and three uh, – Three microphones instead of two okay, this time. That's, three. that's about as elaborate as I can get. Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, cool. there you go. Well, hey, yep. listen, I, I want listen, I, first off, I cannot strongly enough encourage you guys go to that event. I think it's probably one of the hottest events in dentistry. Um, all those guys, Sean, Alan, Jason, they they have all. It's an amazing event that they've put on with you, uh, and I know that you put so much into that. I I want all my people. I encourage you. If go to that. Thanks for the coupon code, by the way, for putting that out yeah. there. That's awesome. Sure. Everybody go to that gotta, event in Scottsdale. I got to give a shout out to Justin Moody and Dentist Implants and Worms as well. He's hopped on as one of the co-hosts as well. So we got Dentist Implants and Worms. We have uh, the Dental Hacks podcast, the Alan Made Experience, because Alan has two podcasts, and then my Dentalpreneur podcast. We're the hosts. So come on out, dude. Uh, guys, We will. we will definitely – uh, love to meet you in person, and we will love to have you on our shows too. I'd love to interview you. Well, you know, Justin should. He should sponsor an event. If he's going to show up with a booth like that and embarrass everybody, he should be a co sponsor. <laughs> I totally agree. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Exactly. And, awesome. man, well, Mark, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks so much for doing this whole project with us. Is there anything else that, you know, if, uh, to hear the part one, is, is truedentalsuccess.com the best place to find you? Uh, or searching Dental yeah. in iTunes, or what's the best way? Yeah, find me on True Dental Success. Um, the, on, on Facebook, we have a group called the Dental Success Institute Facebook page. You know, if you're, if you're a fan of our podcast, that's the best way to interact with us. Just go to the Facebook page. You can pose any questions. A lot of times I take the questions that people uh, put out on the Facebook group and I turn a whole episode into it. So, uh, so yeah, man, I, I think that there's probably so many similarities between your audience and ours. So we'd love to have you. And um and uh, I, I just respect the heck out of you, Chris. I really appreciate what you've done for the for the profession. Well, hey, man, I'm proud to call you a friend. And, hey, by the way, can I join your Facebook group? Can I get in on that? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. People would be thrilled to see your name on that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, you, you have a great rest of the week, Mark. And uh, and we I guess we are going to get out of here. But, but listen, everybody, go to Voices of Dentistry. Go find Mark at True Dental Success. He's an awesome guy. I totally give him 100% in the 
any kind of uh, blessing I could give, I want to give it because I think he's a great guy. So thanks again for joining us, Mark. Have a great day, Chris. All right, you too, man. We'll see you. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of the Dr. Chris Griffin Show. Be sure to visit drchrisgriffin.com for the latest resources and updates to keep you more productive every single day you're at the practice. So when you're not working, you can do the things that matter most in life. We look forward to having you join us for another episode of The Chris Griffin Show, where the doctor is always in.